Good afternoon, evening, morning. I don't know how you're uh, joining us, but we are thankful you're here. Just as promised from last week, um, we have not abandoned our schedule yet. Um, you've got Mike and Mike again on our Bible podcast uh, coming to you live in full force. And if the uh, pre-meeting is anything like the podcast, it's going to be incredible. Uh, how's, how's everything in Somerset, Michael? I'm so disappointed we didn't already have the camera on because I, I think I've already... I think I've already made great points and beaten you into submission, and now nobody's going to know about it. Uh, I am I am well. This is two weeks in a row, and that makes a streak. Absolutely. Absolutely. We put the women and children to bed, and now it's time to uh, wrestle. Um, and and that, that's a great pun. You that is. Good segue. Um, to wrestle with scripture. So Professional. We have decided um, through uh, our, our, our recent activities that – we're going to get into a series that I did in Danville uh, a year or so ago where we kind of look at the flaws of Bible characters. I think sometimes, and and I don't know if you do this, Michael, but I know I know I do. Sometimes when we look at Bible characters, we focus on their highlight reel and, and we talk about how great they are. And because all we look at is the highlight reel, we forget that sometimes these guys were crazy flawed and sometimes are worse people than we are. And yet, in our own lives, we never want to talk about the highlight reel. We only want to focus on everything that we messed up. So we're going to try to wrestle with this idea of being not flawless, that these Bible characters that we read about are just as messed up as you and I are. Yep. Uh, there, there's definitely a tendency to have the, uh, the felt board version of all of these Bible characters, right? And, and there's a... There's, there's a very good reason that we have the felt board version. That's what we teach our kids, uh, right? That that um, Abraham's faith and Noah's diligence and, um, you know, David and Goliath. And, and there's a reason, you know, there's a reason that that felt board version of those characters exist. But, um, you know, I, I think if we're serious about our study, we, we, we see uh, a more, you know, uh, a fuller picture of these, these characters. And we see they're, they have this incredible flaw that, that they are human. <laughs> and, that, 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 and, and so when you, when you kind of figure out they're human and they had human emotion and human reaction, it, it changes. The, um, and I think that that is a, that's actually an eye-opening kind of experience when you kind of realize that for the first time that like this, this person probably had doubts and, and fell back at times and probably backslid and um, probably questioned his faith and probably got mad at God and, and did all those things that humans do um, and, and wasn't just wasn't perfect. Uh, so I, I think it's a very worthwhile study. And, and I think there's some really, really interesting characters. And the goal here is not to pile on these guys. Um, they're in a lot of ways, heroes of faith, <laughs> maybe a little, but in a lot of ways, they're heroes of faith. Um, but knowing that our heroes are flawed is, is pretty encouraging, um, in a lot of ways. Obviously our ultimate hero is not, um, there's, there's only one perfect, but man, these, these other characters and, and finding some encouragement in, in their struggle, I think is value. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know what, what I want to call them, but, you know, demigods or whatever, but we, we like, we raise all these people up to pedestals and what we do. I think as humans is we always seek to uh, 
disqualify people, especially ourselves, except for these Bible characters. We, we, we qualify them like, look at all the great stuff that they did. And we just gloss over the bad because we're in a hurry to get to the good that they do. But with our own lives, we say, well, I've had doubts. I've had fears. I've had insecurities. I've messed some stuff up. So therefore, I can't do anything great for God. And the punchline to this entire study that Michael and I are going to do is that, yeah, you can <laughs> because these guys have done the same. And some of these people we're going to look at have done terrible things that you would never do. And they were very useful in the kingdom. So if God can use them and they're all their flaws, I, I think he can use us too. Wow. Hit. All right. So first on the docket. So we, we went back and forth in uh, on this, but the first one we got up tonight is Jacob. So uh, Michael, why don't you give us the, the quick and dirty backstory felt board version of, of Jacob? <laughs> well, the, uh, you know, the felt board version is, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think this is elementary for, for a lot of folks, but just by way of table setting, you know, this is one of the patriarchs. This is the the grandson of, of Abraham, the son of Isaac, and um, and the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. And so this is this is kind of a fulcrum. It's a seminal point in in like the history of the world. <laughs> um, is 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 this character? Uh, this character that had his name changed to Israel, mm-hmm. a, a Israel which would become the word that God used to describe his people. And importantly, not just then, but now the Israel of God is a concept in Galatians. that talks about what the church is today. Like, so this, this character had his name changed to this word that is incredibly important to what God's people are for eternity. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Israel of God. So, um, so you would think like this guy, this guy must be, one of the the purest hearts in scripture and what you find is this just incredibly flawed uh really really clever but manipulative and um deceitful prideful kind of characters um so i'm, I'm off the footboard now but his 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 <laughs> name i mean literally his name um, and there's there's some kind of Hebrew idiom in there, I think. But his, his name, I believe, means grab the heel or capture the heel, um, which is kind of a phrase. I mean, uh, someone who cheats or someone who manipulates like that's that's kind of baked into what his name was or name, you know, like all the way back when his mother named him. There, you know, he, he he's a twin, obviously, to Esau. And he, at birth, he grabbed his brother's heel. Um, and, and that idea, that, that, that kind of Hebrew idiom of, of one who would take the place of another or uh, cheat to advance or manipulate to advance um, was part of his name and, and certainly a part of his character. Um, I, I don't think that we are in this podcast going to dig into the episode with uh, Esau and selling the birthright, but there was, that was certainly manipulative the the episode where he stole Esau's blessing from Abraham with uh, with full participation of his mother, by the way. Um, so there's there's a number of flawed characters here, but but those are like like those aren't just like Tuesday afternoon events in somebody's life. Those are seminal, enormous, um, life changing, deceitful episodes, um, right. and and they are kind of the key stories in Jacob's life. 
Um, so this is it's an interesting cat. Right. And, and, and from from the get go, right early on in his life, he's got to be a young man at this point when that event we're talking about happens. And mom teaches you how to steal the blessing and birthright from your older brother, who by all accounts is more deserving and a better guy, at least at this point, um, early on in life. Now, again, because of all these events, we see where Esau goes and the Edomites and all that stuff, right? But at least early on, you know, diligent hunter out in the fields doing his thing. And while he's away doing good work, providing food for the family, mom and little brother are robbing him. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off. The, I'm off the page of today here a little bit. But even in the episode we get in Genesis 32, which is where I think we're going to spend some time, yeah. Genesis 32, 33, where where Jacob and Esau meet years later and Jacob fears for his life. Esau is incredibly gracious and magnanimous in that yes. in that meeting. There, there is a, I mean, you could make a strong case that Esau was the better moral character of the two of the two brothers, yeah. um, and yet there was something that God chose about about Jacob. Uh, and I, I got a theory on that, but I'll hold it. Um, but but there's there's anyway in, interesting cat. Yeah, not so, a straight line. His fate is not a straight line. No, all all over the board. And what we wanted to talk about is we were kind of, Michael and I kind of do this deal where we're figuring out how we're going to approach the study. And and where we got stuck is, is one of the more, I think, interesting accounts in all of Scripture, as well as random and obscure. I mean, the whole unfolding of, and what we're talking about here is, is, is it's, I believe it's, it's as he's on his way to meet up with Esau, correct? Or, or That's correct. So, so, yeah, Genesis 32. Um, and, you know, the, again, set the table a little bit. Jacob um, is returning from Laban. And, you know, if you're familiar with that Bible story, he, he's been blessed by God during his time with Laban. Um, Laban maybe the only more manipulative person in Genesis than Jacob. He meets his arch nemesis there. Um, but, but in any event, he, he leaves Laban's household with kind of a huge contingent of wives and flocks and, and children and servants. And the, he knows he's entering Esau's territory. And so he sends men ahead to say, Hey, tell Esau, I've got a bunch of gifts for him. And I think we can be great friends. And, and the men come back and say, Hey, um, Esau's coming your way and he's got 400 warriors with him. And so Jacob is spooked. Um, we get to Genesis 32. He is legit scared. He splits his company into, he splits all of his traveling party into two different sections with the thought that if one gets annihilated, at least all part of my legacy will live on in the other part. He, he kind of plans this elaborate uh, series of gifts that he's going to give to Esau. But as he spends the night during Genesis 32, and it's interesting, he sends the rest of his traveling party across this river, Jabbok or Jabbok, I don't know how you say it, um, but he's alone. And so he's sleeping alone. I, I am going to note one thing he says um, at, before he uh, before he goes to sleep that night. Um, and, and I think this is important. I mean, Genesis 32 in, in, in verse 10, this is a this is a prayer after he realized that Esau's on his way. Jacob says, I am not worthy of all the faithful love you have shown your servant. I, I think that I almost get the sense that it is at this point 
Jacob is kind of coming to terms with what he has been. Um, and he's not perfect from this point on. I'm not making that statement, but I, I, I do almost sense a, a turning point here. Um, I, I'm not, I, I'm not worthy of like, I, I don't deserve everything I've got here and God, I, I need your, I need your help. I need your rescue in verse 11. So that's where we are. Right. And, and, and real quick, cause we want to spend the, the bulk of our time on, on this other section, but real quick, you know, he's again, deceived the older brother. He's got some guilt. He's definitely carrying for that. He gets deceived by his uncle um, pretty harshly on in a situation that most of us can't fathom on his wedding night. I mean, like a farcical <laughs> kind of. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's ridiculous. A whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Then, um, you know, they, they kind of get through that. He's blessed. Father-in-law cheats him again on some cattle. Uh, Jacob gets him back by running his own scheme out the back end. His wives steal idols out of the house. I mean, there's nothing but manipulation and bad stuff. And yet he has been still incredibly blessed by God. And yes. I think that's the point here. He's like, I know what a scumbag I've been. And yet I look around at the herds and the flocks and the family and all I've got, you know, Lord, I don't deserve any of this stuff. Cause I know I'm a scumbag. And so we get to this night and he falls asleep and here we have again, this obscure spot. So Michael, uh, here's, and this is where we started going in. What in the world happens? Who's he wrestling with? What in the world happens here? Because none of this stuff makes any sense to me. So I, I'm going to read the verses because um, <laughs> I think might be a good place to start. Rather, uh, so I'm in Genesis 32. We, again, we've, we've kind of set the scene. And during the night, Jacob quickly took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and set them across the stream with all his possessions. And Jacob was alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, he struck the socket of his hip. So the socket of his hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And the man said, let me go for dawn is breaking. And I, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, no longer will you be Jacob, the man said, but Israel, because you have wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. Um, and Jacob said, tell me your name. Why do you ask my name? The man replied, and he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Peniel, saying, certainly I have seen God face to face and survived. And the sun rose over him as he crossed over Peniel, but he was limping because of his hip. There was an epic wrestling match at, at the fords of the Jabbok River uh, that left Jacob permanently limping the best we know. Um, and that, and that is the, <laughs> that is, I think as far as, uh, Bible commentators will be agreed. Yes. So again, I'm, who's he wrestling with? He's, he's definitely wrestling with a heavenly being. Um, Jacob thinks he saw God face to face. That's his own explanation. Um, okay. that, that's Jacob there. He wrestled with God that's first thirty. We'll get to, um, we'll get to the outcome. Yeah, Hosea uh, indicates that it might have been an angel. If 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 that verse is rendered correctly, uh, that Jacob wrestled with an angel and survived. I'm I'm not, um, I'm not sure that that's. Uh, you you can convince me into either one there. Um, I, I'm not sure that that specificity is the most interesting part of the story. To be honest, 
I mean, whether it was God or an angel, I mean, uh, there, there's, there's some, it, it's probably more interesting. It's God, of course, but, uh, yeah. but, but either way, Jacob had no, um, Jacob had no business wrestling God or an angel to a draw. Right. So, so the, again, but you're, you're the wrestler. You could, you could tell me about that. I, I, so here's, here's the thing here too, because whether it's a God, or, whether it's God or, or an angel, let's carefully put that to the side for a moment because there's tons of implications both ways. But either way, at absolute worst, this is a draw. But the way I've read this text multiple times and even listening to it as you were just reading a minute ago, Jacob's in the advantage here because the being, the angel, the man, whatever, whoever we want to call him, cannot get away from him without knocking his hip out of socket. And, and Jacob's got this guy held down, so I don't know whether he's got him in a chokehold, a figure four, an arm bar, whatever, but Jacob's in control of this situation. Now, I, I would like to remind our listeners here, it took two angels to wipe out all of Sodom and Gomorrah. So is this, help me, Michael, is this rookie angel? Is this like his first pass out? Like this is an understudy? Like who, who we got here? The two guys that wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah and we've got a draw at best, or maybe you lost to Jacob. And so I'll ask you the question that I asked you before we began recording. And, and I, listen, I, I'll be, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong on this one, but, I, but I'll tell you my thing. What's the only reasonable explanation for how Jacob wrestles a heavenly being to a draw? What's the only explanation? <laughs> Either there's two explanations. One Jacob is a beast. <laughs> Unreasonable. So move on to Jacob. And is the, the best hand-to-hand -hand combat person that's ever lived. So Who was he scared of Esau? Okay, but anyway, move on. Right, to but Jacob. he's scared of Esau, right? So there's okay, so that's option one. Option two is it's you wrestling with Hogan and and you let him pin you. That that's the only intellectually satisfying answer that I can <laughs> come to in this is that God in a in a graceful but teaching moment allows Jacob to wrestle with him. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know how – I don't know how – I can't be satisfied with another conclusion that I have seen, and I've read some. Mm -hmm. um, but it clearly, whether it's God or an angel, and I know there's implications to both those, but whether it's a God or an angel, they, they could have ended this – well, they could have ended Jacob's life in an instant, they, they could have just, you know, disfigured, paralyzed, whatever, in an instant. They chose not to. It had, it was, it was a, it was a choice at some level. I, again, it's the only way I can get satisfied with it. It was a choice to allow Jacob to continue to wrestle with him. Um, and, 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 and let's be clear about something too, because I think this is another important point that gets missed here. How long did they go for? Uh, as Lionel Richie said, all night long. All night, right. It's not like, you know, I, again, you know, Michael grew up with a sister, um, but I grew up with brothers. And In fairness, we'd, wrestle, <laughs> we'd wrestle, roll around on the floor. That whole deal lasted 
five minutes, 10 minutes was going long. These guys went at it for hours into the night wrestling. So let's turn this thing on its head. Is this a metaphor? And if it's a metaphor, what's it mean? So uh, I'll make a couple of comments about that. One, it, it wouldn't be the first time that, that God um, took a real event in someone's life that was incredibly real, intimate, and personal to that person and use it as a larger metaphor. See Hosea, um, for one example. Uh, Isaiah had it many times in his life, Ezekiel also. You can, you can, you can find those. Like, like, God, why are you making me live this in real life so that you can make this larger point is something that Hosea, Isaiah, Ezekiel, any could have said. Mm-hmm. So I don't, that doesn't strike me as unrealistic. If, if this, if it is a story like this or an account like that, um, I think it's incredibly meaningful that I, I'm persuaded that all of us have, wrestled with things spiritually with our faith that we've mentally fought with God about these about things God why why did you take this person away from me why did why did you uh, allow why'd you allow me to lose my job why why is my child sick God why have you let these things happen we, we wrestle with those things all the time why why did my brother or sister fall away? Why have they left the faith? Why do they not care for me anymore? I think we've all wrestled with those things. And we've all, if we're being honest, we've all been mad at God about them at some point and wrestled with it. And it is incredibly graceful that God didn't end our lives in that moment that we questioned his sovereignty, that he let us wrestle with that. Uh, if, if that is the metaphor that he's, that he is showing us, like this is, if this is a physical demonstration of this spiritual phenomenon, I think that's pretty profound. God lets us wrestle with him um, mentally and doesn't destroy us, but lets us, lets us wrestle. Anyway, I, I think that's, that's a take. Yeah. And, and I think this is where, I'm convinced there's a misunderstanding and a misappreciation for grace. So oftentimes I think when we look at the terminology of grace, it is God basically giving me a pass on it or a mulligan or whatever that, you know, look, yeah, you did this, but I'm going to completely pass over it and ignore it. And you get blanket forgiveness. What if instead the way we see grace more often is God's allowing us time to struggle with things, to come to a decision. That it's not blanket immunity. Instead, it's time and opportunity to wrestle with him, wrestle with ourselves, struggle through some things, have the growth pangs that make us better. Get to what James says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What if that's really what the grace looks like? Is that we have this picture here of Jacob and wrestling with God. And oh, by the way, we have Paul doing the same thing in Romans chapter seven, right? That I do the things that I know I shouldn't do. And I don't do things I know I should be, I should do a wretched man that I am that, that this interpersonal struggle and to what we were saying, as we set this up 
think about the guilt and the shame that he's carrying for the bad guy that he's been, plus the blessing, the fact that he, in the conversations with Laban, and, and again, if you don't, if you're not intimately involved with this account, go back, read it. Um, it it's really important. But when he says to Laban, Laban's like, I can't let you go because I see God has blessed everything in your hands. And Jacob's like, yes, this isn't me. I'm not just this skilled shepherd. God has blessed all these things in my hand, but I need to make a living for myself and my family and not just make you wealthy the rest of my life. And all the acknowledgement there in that conversation, both from Laban and from Jacob, about all the source of this comes from God. And yet, in the back of his mind, I'm a scumbag, right? And, and how powerful is that in your life and in my life? When we think about the incredible things that God has given us and the things that God has blessed that's put into our hands, and yet we know on some level, and maybe not a Jacob scumbag level, but on some level, we've done a bunch of bad stuff that, you know, and I'll throw, throw around Michael and I's, you know, bad, horrible four-letter word, and that's that we deserve, you know, the things that we think we deserve and other things that we are sure we don't deserve, and yet we see the blessings of God in our lives despite our faults and our flaws. And, and I think there's something powerful about that too. And I would just add to that. There, there's another part of grace is the constant pursuit um, that God has for us. Like that is so graceful. This is not, this is not the only incredibly remarkable thing that happened to Jacob. Um, remember it was several years earlier on his way to Laban that he sees this vision of, of angels ladder, yeah. on the ladder to heaven, ascending and descending. Like God is, God keeps coming after this deceitful, prideful person. It's like, I've got, I've got, you're a part of my plan, man. And if I got to keep working on you, despite your greed or despite your arrogance or despite your manipulativeness, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep throwing people in your way. I'm going to keep showing you visions in Jacob's case. I'm going to um, keep blessing you, but then also putting obstacles in your way, but then blessing you again. Like to see all of that as God continuing to work on Jacob to make Jacob what he needed to be is, is both providential and graceful. Um, I like to look at this story that way. And in, in, in the other, the other note that I would say about this wrestling, um, Jacob walked away from that wrestling match with two things. One, he walked away with a blessing because, and I would note that he walked away with a blessing because he did not let go. Uh-huh. He didn't let go. He never he let go. demanded it. That, that, that's where I'm, that's where I pushed that maybe he prevailed a little bit here. He never, he never let go of the rope. Mm -hmm. Um, but he also walked away wounded. Yeah. That's, there's something to that too. Um, so he never let go of the rope. He was wrestling with his faith. Again, I'm using it as a metaphor that, that, that wrestling affected him forever mm -hmm. but it also blessed him forever uh yeah, i think and, there's something there yeah and, and and i think that's that that's that's a powerful lesson for us you know it's 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 interesting we start with jacob in this this series of lessons because 
there are very, very few things when we're honest with Jacob's life that you can say we're good. He really wasn't a good dude um, all in. And yet, as we look at, at these points and these spots that tell us he was blessed by God, that God was with him, that God continued with him, that wrestled with him, that God pursued him. Now, it, it's interesting to note for me at the end of, of Jacob's life, he has an incredible statement. Um, and, and this is in, you know, you know, it's again, I don't want to assume too much on our listeners parts. Um, but you know, out of all of Jacob's children, Rachel, the one that he loved the most and favored really gave him two children, Joseph and Benjamin, Joseph coat of many colors, thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, thought he was gone, ends up in Egypt. And this is now after Joseph's trickery with all the family that gets them back down in there. When the whole family comes late in Jacob's life and Pharaoh getting to know him, I kind of got this picture. They're sitting around the room, like making introductions and Pharaoh's like, so how old are you? And in Genesis chapter 47 and verse nine, Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. Now, at the end with the trials of thinking that his favorite son was dead, and they're in the midst of the famine, and he sees the blessings and the providence and all the work of God. Is, is there a storyline here that Jacob passed away safe in the arms of God? I think you can make that argument, even after all of this, because at the end of his life, as he's explaining to Pharaoh about this, and, and I'm convinced when he says, and they have not attained to the days of the years of life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning, He's not talking about the calculus of their age. He didn't live up to who his fathers were in their faith. I'm persuaded is what he's saying here. And so maybe there's some repentance later on in his life when he sees what this calamity's brought. But when we think of basically, I mean, if there's not a better person to look at than you reap what you sow, I don't know what it is. Because all of the bad things that he did throughout his life, I mean, he paid for in spades and yet is redeemed, and yet his son, Joseph, is such a better person than most people we find in Scripture with the way that he dealt with calamity after calamity and stayed positive and, and continued to be what he needed to be in the face of all of that. So maybe in all of those things, there's some redemption for Jacob, but, but here's, here's the punchline that I want to make sure we can't walk away from with this, is that as messed up as he was, we sing songs about him, about Father Israel and about the 12 tribes. When we think about that same aspect of our lives, I don't think many of us that are listening to this podcast are that bad a person, not like some of the things that he did. And yet, how much do we disqualify ourselves for usefulness in the kingdom? Maybe because of some of those parts of guilt and shame we're still carrying around. So I, I would first note that it took 25 minutes or so, but you got Joseph into the podcast. I mean, I mean, there, there is, I don't know if there's a podcast yet that Mike hasn't squeezed Joseph into somehow. I, I mean, it, with Jacob, we probably should have seen it coming, but 
I'm glad you got that in. Um, secondly, I, I, I would I would amen all of that, um, and and maybe maybe just add. You know, talk about some real human kind of emotions and and thoughts. Obviously, Jacob knew he was Abraham's grandson. Mm-hmm. Jacob doubtlessly knew the promises that were given to Abraham. That at different points in his life was probably a a source of pride mm-hmm. that um, and arrogance that that probably led to some of some of his issues. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if at some points it wasn't something he resented. You know, that would be a very human emotion too. Yeah. Like, why, why do I have this spotlight on me that I've got to be part of this promise that you see that that's it, a very, it would be a very human thing, right? That, that, that legacy is too much. Mm-hmm. And, and did, did that, did that cause some of, uh, some of his issues also? Um, but I think all of that just speaks to exactly what you said. It's this really human, really flawed character. And, if there, if there is a trait that I think that we should take away from all of it, it's from the wrestling with God episode or wrestling with whoever episode. I'm not going <laughs> to my hand there. Uh, it's from the, re- it, I just, I just think that the not letting go is so poignant. Mm-hmm. He, and, and the permission to wrestle. Yeah. Cause, cause how many times do we get to that point where, maybe we're afraid of the confrontation or we try to ignore it or block it out or whatever. But I think that's part of what, you know, if you're listening to this thing, give yourself permission to have the wrestling match, right. To, to mull over those things. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to walk around with doubt all your life. I'm saying wrestle with it, face it. You know, why ask questions, push back, kind of have the exercise because I'm persuaded the text is pretty clean. Jacob was rewarded for the wrestling. Yes. I wonder and, what rewards are waiting for us. And and obviously we, we would not advocate for being disrespectful or um, irreligious, but, you know, there's there's a term for what it means when we ask God why things are happening, and that term is called prayer. I mean, that, that's what that is. Um, and a, a real honest prayer about if that's on our heart, we might as well say it because God knows it anyway. It's not like we're going to obscure that by praying something different. If, 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 if we're having that, um, that doubt or that questioning, we should, that's where we should take it. We should, we should wrestle with it in prayer. I, I, I am always moved by the thought that Jesus went through probably the most difficult 24 hour period than any human has ever experienced. Um, from, from um, the time when his trial starts at, um, or from the moment he's betrayed or before that, through the trials and through the crucifixion. The, the mental weight and stress of that, forget the physical, um, but just the mental weight and stress of that had, had to be overwhelming. And the only time that you ever see him struggle is in prayer. That's where he. That's where he wrestled with it. That's where he struggled with it. That's where he. Uh, that's where he cried. That's where he uh, sweat as blood. Uh, it's interesting that all those things happened in prayer, and so, I mean, this emotional 
um, asking God if there's another way, praying, crying. The Hebrew writer said loud cries and tears. We don't like to think about Jesus that way, but that's what the Hebrew writer said. Ugly girl crying, they call it. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> and and then from there, stood up and calmly walked through trials and to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we take this episode of Jacob, say, I'm not going to let go of the rope. And when I have these doubts and fears and concerns, I am going to wrestle with it in prayer so I can walk calmly through my life. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. And that, that's powerful. And then part of, I guess what I want to say to that too, is part of the desire to wrestle is also going to be the expectation of the pushback, right? Jacob and angel slash God, whatever, went at it all night long. And so when we question, when we push, when we try in prayer, we've got to understand how's God going to answer that. And, and it may be that in this dilemma we're struggling with, you know, somebody like one of the two of us shows up to put their arm around you and talk through it. You know, I, I know from, from our, you know, we're, we're pretty transparent here, but from our 20 some years of friendship, Michael, I've done that a lot of, Hey man, I can't get my head around this and I'm struggling. Like I just need to talk this through. And sometimes we agree. And other times we push really hard back against each other, but that's, that's where that's at. And we, we, I think, I think a lot of times we underestimate the fact that we're the answer to others' prayers and it's God sending us into the fray to be the angel wrestling or the friend or brother or one that cares about you to push back against you. Very well said. Or even it may be that we have to go through something in order to learn the lesson that helps us understand the question that we're asking. And at like Jacob, sometimes it may hurt to have to get the blessing. Um, Amen. That is. Um, and sometimes through, through that, that hurt, that episode. Look, and man, I could point to these in my own life. I, 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 I had to, I had to hurt a little bit to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and either you figure out your questions irrelevant because <laughs> because God's bigger, or you figure out that God had a different plan, or that um, you weren't seeing the whole picture, or whatever. You know, it could be any number of things that that it allows you to see. Um, but sometimes that's true. Sometimes uh, you got to hurt to get the blessing. And Jacob saw that too. That is not a great t-shirt. <laughs> but I would wear it. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of these things that we get to in, in, in scriptural truths that, that just don't sound fantastic, but it's 100% right. And we think about the suffering our Savior went through. You know, Jesus left where we're trying to get to to come and hurt so that he could identify what the pain's like. Yeah. And just wrap your mind, your mind around that. Yeah. That instead of our Western civilization view that, you know, the relationship with God means just blessings and no pain yeah. to the reality that blessings come through pain. Yes. And, and how that turns a lot of that stuff on its head. But I think that that's exactly how it, it, it should be. And it should feel that, you know, the, the blessing comes, comes with, with some pain. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I would also say, and I get, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of this and I've tried to catch myself and I've had um, wise people, you know, sometimes without knowing it, help me with this is it's very easy for us to get locked into what is Christianity doing to my life day to day? How's it affecting my relationships? How's it affecting my work life? How's it affecting my job as parenting and, and as a husband and all those things are important. I'm not downplaying those at all. If, if I wanted God to teach me one thing, it would be how to get to heaven. The, the rest of it, like, if it's a hard lesson to figure that out, let's like, that's, this is hard to say, but let's get it started. Right. Um, like everything else, if every other relationship's perfect and the, the husband and the father and the work life and my friend relationships are all perfect, but I don't learn somehow what it takes for me to get to heaven. This is a colossal failure. Mm-hmm. That that's really hard. And so when we get too focused on um, earthly, um, I don't even know what the word I'm scrambling for here is, but when we, when we get concerned about those earthly, and not, it's not benefits. That's not the word I'm looking for, but, but tied up in earthly relationships and forget that ultimately we got an eternal goal. And if God is working on us for anything, like maybe it'd make us a better coworker and a, and a better father. And those would be great things, but that, that is not what God is primarily concerned with or working on. Those are ancillary benefits to the fact that must the sharpening of, or the, the uh, molding of my soul to be more, ready for heaven is a, is a big deal. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I think that's, that's gotta be the way we approach it, right? That, that if we try to fix all those relationships up front and that's what we work on, we're, we're, we're going about the calculus backwards. You know, yes, the calculus well, should be that if I figure out how to have a better relationship with God, because I have that relationship, right the dominoes fall that all the rest of them are right too, you know? Right. So, you know, I think that's, that's gotta be the answer here. And, and part of that is, is that struggle. And I think sometimes we, we hide from the wrestling match with God to try to go be a better husband. When in reality, if I had a better relationship with God, I'd by default be a better husband. Yeah. I, I, I very much agree. And, and don't think that the lessons or the hard things that we're supposed to be going through are, are supposed to make, life better i fall into that trap occasionally okay i'm going to go through this and when i get through this life will be better maybe it won't but if that thing is still preparing me for for eternity it's of immeasurable benefit every everything we learn is not supposed to make life better it's supposed to make me more christ-like uh to be more prepared for uh for things that really matter uh so getting getting earthbound like it sounds, it sounds very spiritual, very religious that I'm going through these things so I can, you know, live a better life and be a better husband. But all, all the things we experience, all the, all the difficult things that we go through aren't necessarily to figure out this life. Um, and, and, and here's, here's the honesty of that, which again, it's hard for Western civilization Christians, you know, to, to hear this, but you know, the, the, the first 12 guys that signed up for this didn't turn out too well physically, earthly. You know, if you were to rate their life success by physical worldly standards, 
all 12 of the first guys that signed up for this task failed miserably. But I'm persuaded they all got home. So even though – 11 of the 12. Well, no, the first 12 that signed up to take the gospel. Okay. Uh, Matthias, not Judas, right? Um, So the the first that went out and said, hey, we're going to do this kingdom spiritual Jesus thing out to the whole world, and they – lives didn't go great. So I think our expectation is that, you know, if, if I become more Christ-like then somehow, you know, the Powerball is going to hit or whatever, that in reality, sometimes becoming more Christ-like means that life on earth gets harder and gets more difficult depending on the path that we're on and, and the path that it goes. But, you know, as, as Jesus pointed out very clearly, if we get there, one eye, one arm, one leg, but we get in, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we've stretched on here. I don't, I don't know what time we're at. It's been really good, enjoyable. Uh, but try to be, uh, try to be, uh, what's the right, good steward of, of our time and everyone else's time. So good place to end. But, uh, yeah, we kind of went all over the board on that one. But I, I think pretty got to a pretty interesting place. Um, it's, not, it's not all about this life. And, uh, and uh, you know, maybe that's what Jacob figured out too. Um, don't don't let go of the rope and uh sometimes gotta hurt a little get the blessing amen thank you all speaking of that you, you're probably hurting from uh 35 40 60 whatever minutes we've been talking now so as, as we put a bow on this again thank you all for being here thanks for being with us and and participating and if you've got comments on any of the stuff we talked about please comment below here on facebook or on youtube um, be part of the conversation. If there's other characters you'd like for us to look at, um, throw those in there too, because uh, we're game. We're just going to kind of pick one of these from week to week and uh, banner it about and see what we can learn. So hopefully with us today, you learned that uh, the struggle is worth it. And uh, sometimes to get the blessing, it takes a little pain. And that does not make a very pretty t-shirt. <laughs> look good on you though. Maybe. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll see you next time.